Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to know why famous women only date famous men. I've never dated a famous man. I, I don't even meet famous men. I don't, I mean, I know some, but I would think that there would be so... How could there be enough oxygen for two famous people? The, I guess they say they know what they're going. They know what they're going through. They understand the, the life, the business, et cetera. But that is so much oxygen being taken up. Meaning, for example, so Kelly Rip is a friend of mine and she and Mark Consuelos are both famous, but she says he's the peacock. And so she goes to her work every day, but it almost feels to her like a nine to five, even though it's not literally a nine to five. And he's more of like the colorful peacock in the relationship. So it balances there, but they're both not out every, you know, three days at a film festival, at movie premieres, at, so it would seem hard. And maybe that's why a lot of Hollywood relationships don't work out. But I also see that a lot of Hollywood women only go for major Hollywood men. So is that an ego thing or is that a thing where they understand each other's lives or is that sort of you need someone good enough for you? You know, I like being, I have never dated someone who had a real social media presence or interest. Um, My fiance Paul has an account because he's produced movies, but he never posts. He'll post a picture of me once a year or something. And I've always liked that. And you think about that in this day and age, and all the people that I've gone out with have not had it. And I do social media 
now a little bit with TikTok because it's a little fun and stupid and silly. And I found my way that it's idiotic, which is what, what I love in life, but I only do it for work. So, um, I would find it very annoying if I had, if I was in a relationship with some, a man who was wanting to always be photographed and take pictures and look at me and filters and all that. I would find, I would, I would actually hate that. So I just think it's interesting, um, public people dating public people and what that is about. I think that people are afraid, right? You know, mere mortals, not, not celebrities. People are afraid to negotiate while in a relationship about what is in the relationship. People will eventually talk about prenups. People will talk about so many different things. We're going there. Well, let's go here. We're going on this vacation. We're not going on this vacation. You're Jewish. I'm Catholic, whatever. But people don't really negotiate about what they're doing. And I don't mean like, what are we doing now? You know, it's been three months, a week exclusive. Are we not exclusive? I understand that. And people do do that. But negotiating things that are your wants and your needs, things that you really just can't, that will be a deal breaker because a good relationship means the other person will hear you. And if not immediately, eventually really try and work hard to give you what you want. But when I say the negotiating, so there are certain things Paul and I have a house in Massachusetts. Um, that's where his kids live. And we renovated it and made it nice. And he really, want, even though when we first met, we, I was in New York and I always wanted to be in New York and that was just understood. Um, he needs me to be there and to come to Massachusetts. And I made it clear that in the summer, I really just, the summer is where the Hamptons are. My home, my happy place, my daughter's home. You know, it's just a place... So those are needs and those are things that were negotiated before. I hear a lot of relationships where people don't talk about these things that come up, meaning, okay, how many times a month? Not that you have to stick to this. It doesn't mean it has to be like black, you know, an ironclad contract because obviously things happen. Paul's family has a place in Nantucket. We go to Nantucket, which is beautiful, um, which, you know, he needs to see his family and that's a need I, and um, it's it's amazing. And But I mean, like saying, okay, what, how, how often do you visit your parents? Like what is that going to be in this relationship? Some people want the other person to see their parents every Sunday for dinner or every other weekend or that the parents stay with them. Like these things are often not negotiated beforehand. So you understand what's going on because these are the cracks that can become craters where for me, I wouldn't be interested in my husband, fiance, boyfriend's parents coming to stay with me every two weeks. I think that would be, that would be too much for me. I also don't come from a big family dynamic and that might be, I'm very private and I don't, you know, it might be a little invasive as luck would have it. Paul's family is just like him. Paul doesn't love to be a guest like myself. He doesn't love to really have guests that often. And he sort of stands on ceremony, meaning he's not someone who would ever walk right into someone's house and expect something. And even with his family, there are just ways that things are planned. Everybody's different. None of this is right or wrong. It just means that it's something that we knew about each other. I'm not very social. I don't, I'm not out every night with multiple groups of people and always people just stopping by. And my house is just always crowded with people. And neither is Paul. We're very insular people in that regard. We make plans and have a great time, but we're not just always activated. We both share that. So I think it's interesting and smart to negotiate in a relationship, not a prenup, not what are we doing and how serious are we and when are we getting married, but what your wants and needs are and if they line up. And that's out of a negotiation. Okay, I'll come to Massachusetts 
often during the, you know, around the year, but I really want to be in the Hamptons in the summer. So that's, that's a negotiation. That's like a deal point, a relationship deal point. Um, you know, you love Nantucket and you grew up going there. So we're going to go there a certain amount of periods during the summer. Like I said, you're a person who likes to go out late and I don't. So I'll do that with you every once in a while. Or you like to go to, you know, fish concerts, but that's not who I am. So that's going to be a rarity. So either you do that with your friends without me, or I'll come once in a while, but that's not who I am. You know, I don't love going to big, like crowded concerts and things like that, food festivals or things like that. Like, so so it doesn't mean I'm not going to go. It just means you're letting someone know who you really are. So you could see if you could possibly make them happy. If I was someone who wanted to go out till two o'clock in the morning once a week or partied or did drugs or wanted to try Molly or something like that, Paul would not be interested in that. You know, he's never tried a drug in his entire life. So what do you think about negotiating in your relationship? What do you think about terms and things and deal breakers and who you are and who you're not? It sounds ridiculous you know, if you show someone who you are, they should believe you. But people think things are going to change. And it happens with in-laws. It happens with religion. It happens with family. It happens with sex. It happens with therapy. Are you someone who will go to therapy? If you're not, it's cute in the beginning when you when you hit a fucking roadblock and your partner doesn't want to go to therapy. It's not cute anymore. Um, do you like the other person's in-laws? Yeah. But if they're walking into your house unannounced uh, every week, you might not like them that much. So is that, you know... Can you let the other person who you are? So at least you can go back and say, we agreed upon this. You know, we agreed upon this thing. I said that. I made that clear. Now, obviously, things can change and someone can change about it, but you can't just blow up a whole deal. You can't later just retrade on a lot of things. So I just think it's great to establish the terms. And I know this from work. The more you lay out, the better the contract is. You don't want to get tedious and get caught up in it. But when you're at the end of a contract, that's when you really get into being creative about different things so you can get what you want because you could get jammed up on points, but if you're creative about other things, then it could work. Like things that you sometimes give in a negotiation in business make the other the other partner so happy that they don't mind these other deal terms. And everybody has things they want to do and things they don't want to do. And a deal, a good deal, means both partners are happy and also slightly uncomfortable. And that's a relationship. That's a partnership. So tell me what you all think about that. Today, my guests are Catherine Power and Cameron Diaz. They went into business together with one goal, to make clean, delicious wine, and they did just that with the launch of Aveline Wine. Today, we find out about how they went from friends to business partners and all of their highs and lows breaking into the wine industry. I love their story and even got some great advice. I can't wait for you to listen. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi there. Hi. Good. How are you? Hi, both of you. I read that the two of you met um, in a backyard. It was at one of your homes for other people. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've we've spent a lot of time in, in our backyards, but we met through Cameron's sister-in-law, Nicole Ritchie, who's been one of my best friends for 20 years. And when Cameron started dating her now husband, uh, we met because his twin brother is Nicole's husband. Mm-hmm. And did, where did you, you both grew up in California, correct? We did. Yeah. 
And in similar, like not so far from each other, right? Like, didn't you both grow up in near San Diego? Worlds apart, worlds oh. apart. <laughs> Ge- geographically, not close. really. Yeah, Rel- yeah, relatively, relatively close. It's not like you grew up on, you know, I grew up on the East Coast and you grew up on the West Coast. Like we were within a vicinity of one another geographically that, you know, we can call each other. We can say we're both Southern Californians. Right. So. Yes. And both and have later in life. And both sort of found converged with wellness and health being sort of on the forefront, but both coming from two very different backgrounds. So you sort of met at this vortex of wellness and are basically in an entirely new business. It seems like it's starting a whole new venture. Yeah. Yeah. For both of us. You you know that saying, find something you love to do and then figure out a way to get paid for it. And that's what we're, Mm -hmm. we're doing here because we love wine. And we, you know, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I spend most of my time, um, you know, building brands in in beauty and fashion for the mostly millennial and Gen Z. Um, and Cameron, although she's a movie star, is, is deep into wellness, having, having written two books on the body that are essentially science books. And former movie star. <laughs> <laughs> former. Yeah. That's what I mean. This is a new business and people don't, well, are you sorry, uh, Catherine, are you still in the beauty business? Are you still working on those projects? Yes, very much so. Very okay. much so. And this sort of happened, you know, all, my my brands are all kind of they have similar themes, clean ingredients, sustainable supply chains, super accessible, whether it's through, you know, distribution channel or price point. And we were just sitting there drinking wine and we were talking about, you know, should we open another bottle? And we started to say to each other, you know, we just don't feel that great when we, you know, drink wine anymore. And I wonder what's in this. And we, we, you know, we turned the bottle around and we were reminded that, you know, wine is one of the only consumables where you have no ingredient list and no nutrition facts. And we kind of said, like, it's just grapes, right? And that set us out on a journey to really learn the winemaking process and understand what potentially goes in that bottle. Um, and then when we learned, you know, and, and started on that journey, I think we were compelled to share it with more people and to kind of offer a solution, um, you know, because we were trying to drink, you know, cleaner wine, wine with with organic grapes and and low intervention and low additives and it was really hard to find. So we felt like if it was hard to find here, it's hard, you know, for for everybody throughout the US. The hard part about it was just transparency. You know, it wasn't that it wasn't on the shelf. It was just that we couldn't identify it on the shelf. We saw that in the wine industry in particular, because of that lack of, you know, they don't have to put anything on the label. It's TTB, not FDA. So they don't, there's no requirements to put anything, ingredients on the label. So, you know, you're walking down the aisle and there could be 200 bottles surrounding you. And we just found that, you know, in this industry, it's just not a practice. It's not what they, the, the industry itself deems important to the drinker. Um, there's a whole other, you know, list of items that will be sort of discussed first before the ingredients of the bottle, you know. You know, it's effectively like creating a new category of transparent wine. I mean, in creating a new category, it's very difficult to do something different in the liquor industry. I don't own the 
that part of the brand anymore, but I was the first ever low calorie ready to drink cocktail. It's the same thing where um, sometimes things are so stupid, they're smart, like big deal. It's a low calorie margarita I started with. This is making perfect sense to me. It's true. Like everything else, you read an ingredient list. And I wrote a book saying, eat things with ingredients you can pronounce. So you guys really we're all shooting blind by drinking and not knowing what's in it. So I love that. That is a game changer concept. Um, Cameron, I read that you didn't grow up with a really a lot of healthy eating habits. So what was your socioeconomic background and what was your childhood like? And did you have drive? Did you want to be a business person? Like, cause now you're an entrepreneur. Yes. Um, you know, I think I, I grew up in Long Beach, California, which is pretty, um, expansive. It's pretty large uh, area, but I grew up in a, in an area that was sort of, you know, um, very, um, urban and, uh, you know, I kind of, well, I wouldn't say urban like the city, but it was very, um, I guess it was a lot of concrete. (laughs) Got it. Um, Okay. We were, uh, it, it, I just kind of grew up in a sort of lower middle class area, other side of the tracks, um, success to me was not staying in Long Beach. What was success for me? I left as soon as I graduated high school, I left Long Beach and, you know, started traveling. And that was, um, something that, that was all I really had ambition for was to, to do that. And it's just sort of escalated, you know, my life kind of, I just kind of followed life as it took me. And that was I, just with inside of you. Like you were yeah. born that way. You had internal drive that you just yeah. wanted to go be something, do something. You thought you had it. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I didn't think I had anything. I just knew I didn't, you know, Long Beach wasn't where I was going to be, wasn't where I was going to stay. I mean, I love Long Beach. I go back to Long Beach. I, I think Long Beach is a great place. But for me, I just kind of knew that um, the, the, it was very limited there. And I didn't have any, you know, education. I didn't have any money. I didn't have, you know, all the things that looked like how you got out of someplace or how you advanced your life, you know, Um college was not an option. Um, my parents didn't have money. I didn't, you know, they didn't push me really to go after any one career. Um, I just sort of went, I want to see the world. I want to travel. And so I, I did. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Claim 
Wisdom Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now you are a female entrepreneur, which is different than your previous career, where that wouldn't have been something that someone would have said. And do you feel a greater sense of control? Do you feel that you're taken more seriously? Do you feel like you're perceived to be smarter? I mean, how does it feel to make that trajectory and monetize something that you're passionate about? You know, I, this is something that I think started off for Catherine and I as, I mean, look, Catherine's a serial entrepreneur, so she's going to, (laughs) she, she knows how to build businesses. It's something that's very new to me. And I had, you know, sort of resigned from making movies, um, and felt that I was just, you know, not really needing to do much more. It wasn't 
something that I was looking for. But when we sort of started off talking about it, it just, we had so much fun um, about the possible, what we thought the possibilities could be. And of course, then we started dreaming. And then we, as we started dreaming, we were doing, and we found ourselves really just sort of like taking each step um, forward and, you know, really learning a, a language completely, as you know, Bethany, it's a complete, <laughs> it's a yes. language in, of itself. The industry is very specific to itself. Um, there's nothing, you know, that I think that Catherine and I could have taken from directly from the businesses that we were both in and applied to even I think in the financial models and all of the ways that you have to get that product to the shelf um, is a completely different, you know, it's a different language. If you knew, if you knew what you didn't know, you wouldn't have done it. And also I've heard many people speak about, and Catherine, you haven't left your other career and we'll, we'll get into that now, but I've heard many people, Cameron on here say that they leave one part of their career not for anything bad. They just, they did everything they needed to do there. They did it. They could do with their eyes closed. They weren't inspired. They just, they did, they checked all the boxes and now they want something else. And now you're doing something you're passionate about. So people ask a lot about when to move, when to make a move. And it can be scary. I'm sure it was scary, but that's when you jump, when you fly. So I think that's inspiring. Yeah. I think having resolve about having resolve about anything you know, whether it's resolved to stop something or resolved to start something like, you know, I resolved to start, stop something. Exactly. And then I decided very definitively to start something else, you know, but it happened. It happened. I wouldn't have done it without Catherine. Like that, that just, there's no scenario where it happened without her. You know, she said to me, nice. would you ever start a wine, you know, uh, a wine brand. And I said, not without you. And literally the next day we were, <laughs> you know, we were, um, you know, in it, starting, you know, the process. You closed one door and Catherine was the next door. So Catherine, what about you? You are, I guess, a serial entrepreneur. I mean, you just have been a CEO. You've worked at some major places. We have some things in common. I think your family was in the horse racing business, which my yes. father was in the hall of fame. Oh my gosh. You know that? Yes. I, I do now remember that. Yes. How my, funny. My father was a hall of fame horse trainer, Bobby Frankel. So was your family Amazing. trainers or yeah, owners? My, they're still, they're still in the horse business. They own, my mom trains. Um, they have a horse transportation company. So very deep into that world. Okay. Um, and so what has your trajectory been and what, what about growing up? Did you, what was success to you and was it sort of drilled into you and how did you find your way and, 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 yeah. How did you come to this point? And I also actually really want to know how you can, are you running this business and you're running your other business? So this is one of your many businesses and you're the operations person. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. So I, um, we have a fantastic CEO for Aveline that we brought in. I, I run two companies currently in the beauty space and I sit on the board of all four of my companies um, including Aveline, but we, you know, managed to find an outstanding CEO who comes from uh, the wine industry, um, but had a really, you know, was really hungry for innovation and kind of saw the opportunity that we saw, not only in the better for you positioning, but I think in the way that we speak to consumers and in the way that we market the brand in a way that was just not existing in, in alcohol Um but, you know, I really started, you know, as a entrepreneur 
you know, from the day I was born, I was trying to make a buck, whether it was, you know, selling uh, uh, tickets to my neighbors to come see a show I'd put on in, in my grandmother's garage or, you know, using my play kitchen to open a restaurant. I was always just looking to, you know, transact and, and make some money. So I I uh, had a very uh, non-traditional education path. I finished high school uh, early um, because I was a very serious dancer. And then I just started working when I was about 17 full time, didn't go to college, um, you know, started out in the film industry, actually working for a producer. Um, and that was my first I, I, I really wanted to, to produce. I loved the idea of putting the right people together and the right storytelling and creating a product. And it's a lot like what I do today. It's just I was going to say that you are producing. But I, I got out of film because I was so frustrated that everything took so long. Mm-hmm. So I found the Internet. And um, I, I originally started as West Coast editor of Elle magazine and of Elle Girl, which was the teen magazine at the time. And, you know, I was in my early 20s and I was spending all my time on the Internet um, and on these new social media platforms and realizing I couldn't get the same kind of content I got in a print magazine on the Internet. So I, I launched my first company called Who, What, Where, which is an online fashion magazine um, I launched it 15 years ago. We turned it into uh, an apparel business. Um, and so it's still, you know, running today as one of the most popular, you know, online fashion magazines. And um, and then I launched uh, two beauty brands. One is called Versed. It's a skincare brand that's distributed through, you know, drugstore and mass retail channels. It's all clean. Um, we're the largest beauty brand to be carbon neutral. Uh, the most sustainable in the mass category. Um, and then just this year, I launched a brand called Merit, which is clean uh, color cosmetics. Um, it's distributed primarily through Sephora. There's there's uh, Cameron showing us a little blush, but all my brands are, you know, digital first. They're born on social media. We sell direct to consumer as well as partner with amazing brick and mortar retailers like Target and Sephora to really bring the products and make them accessible to, you know, to people everywhere. And that's always been my goal is to kind of bring the more aspirational and make it a bit more accessible. And I think, you know, Aveline is is a perfect example of that. And we, you know, with our strategy and launching the brand, you know, usually when you when you create a wine label, you start at, you know, restaurants and you, you know, educate the sommeliers and the, and the customers. And then, you know, eventually, if you're lucky, you get to, to retail. But we started with retail. I mm-hmm. think we're in about 4,000 doors now, but really just focusing on, you know, everywhere this customer is already shopping so that we can be there to offer, you know, a better for you solution. Great concept. And so we've put together an amazing team that that has really built it out. We're just over a year old. Um, and it was just perfect timing, I think, for, for this offering. Well, what's the structure? Yeah. I want to know about several women working together. I want to know how that dynamic is. I want to know how uh, you make decisions, how management happens, all of that. I mean, I think people could learn from that. We talk a lot about culture, management, finding good people, struggles, that sort of thing. 
Yeah. I mean, there's so many different ways to build a business. And, you know, I think we initially just set out to meet with anyone remotely connected to this industry because it is so different than what we're both familiar with um, based on our backgrounds. But um, then there are fundamentals that are very similar. So, you know, we we hired the right CEO. We basically put together the founding team. We, you know, funded the the business and um, just raised some outside capital at the end of last year. But really, it's just starting with who's that leader um, at the top and then, you know, supporting them as they build the rest of the team. I um, brought in a young woman who had worked with me for a number of years on the Who What Wear brand and incubating my skincare brand. Um, and she now works over with, uh, with Abbott, who's our CEO. So it's kind of, you know, old school and new school converging. And, you know, we've been really incredibly lucky with the team that Abbott has helped us put together. But, you know, Cameron and I sit on the board uh, of Aveline and we're the co-founders. So we participate in, you know, all of the product development. So really nothing um, goes in a bottle without us, um, you know, (laughs) going through many iterations to get it just perfect. And Cameron and I source the original uh, winemaking partners ourselves before we even and brought the team on. Um, you know, this is this is definitely not a um, you know a, a sort of bulk wine project or a celebrity wine brand. We you know we're pretty discerning you know wine drinkers and mm-hmm. and went out and and scoured the globe for the perfect partners who could kind of nail the taste profile that we wanted. Super lucky to find them and and now we you know we participate in a lot of the activities from you know our retailer partnerships to. Um, press, of course, and, and mainly product development is where we spend a lot of time. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... 
We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I swear to God, I woke up this morning thinking there's two sips of water in that bottle next to my bed and freaking Cameron Diaz (laughs) has a bottle of water in her bathroom. So she wakes up to wash her face and she drinks the whole bottle. And it just, I mean, I try, but tell me about the discipline (laughs) for you because you don't make it like it's easy. The way it's described, and I I may have read everything wrong, is that like you you have one night and you cook your meals for the week and this is a, a... you're very regimented about it because it's important to you. And I want to hear the ROI on it, the return on your investment on this health program of yours. (laughs) Well, I mean, look at consistency is key in anything that you do. If you're doing anything consistently bad, you're going to get bad. The results are not going to be in your favor. And if you do things consistently good, then you're likely to get more. I'm a new mom. uh, So, you know, I'm two years deep into caring for another human being other than myself, where, you know, I find those challenges myself as a mom. Um, and I, you know, I love it and it's amazing, but it does switch up a little bit of your ability to, um, you know, meal prep for yourself. So right now I'm on a, you know, luckily I feed everything the same to my child as I do myself. She eats everything I do. So I can scrape mm-hmm. off of her meals. <laughs> you can double dip. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> Double dip, exactly. Um, but yeah, I I feel like, you know, water though is like, that's just a, you know, a no brainer for me. That's not even, that doesn't take any effort because I, I think that one of the main things for, you know, um, just honoring yourself is listening to your body and my body will always tell me when it needs water. And I try never to let it, you know, suffer too much without it. It's one of the main things that I, you know, I do, I happen to be able to manage, um, to, to keep disciplined about. And what about sleep? Sleep? I, the regimented yeah. nature about sleep. Sleep is important. I mean, it's more, more than anything. I think, you know, it's one of those things we keep learning even more and more about what sleep, um, you know, what it does for us, um, how important it is. And I'm fortunately able to get a pretty good night's sleep. Sleeping is about, for me, like is about a routine of shutting down my brain. You know, like I have a very specific, you know, procedure of shutdown that I never, no matter what I always do. Um, so that no phones and you put the phone in another room. Yeah. It stops at the a certain phones, time. No, I don't do phones. I do no electronics in my room, period. There's like not any, not, not even a light. I don't I cover up everything. The smoke detector has a, you know, piece of tape over it. So the light, I don't see the light. Like I, no electronics, no television, no fans, no Rick clocks plugged in, no anything. It is like a, yeah. I love that. That's a very big part it's of like it. It's like a spa. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I have to start that. I have to try that because I feel like we complain about our sleep, but then we don't really do enough about it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start that. The device is number one. That's the worst. Um, if you go to your health app, you, um, have you ever checked out your health, the sleep on your health app on your iPhone? No, but it's going to be bad. Uh, if you go to your sleep at, app, yeah. you can look at, you can set up like your, um, what time your phone, like basically will stop taking in calls or anything for like, uh, any calls will come in. And it, it comes up on your screen, like this is your time for your shutdown 45 minutes before bedtime. And oh, it I love that. You. And then you can set your hours that you, your desired hours of sleep for that night. So if you want to get eight hours, it basically shuts you down 45 minutes before um, your, uh, your bedtime so that you have that time. I love then, that because yeah. even if you don't sleep, you're laying, resting sort of in a meditative state versus being, act, I call it activated. Yeah. It's also just to remind you, like, t- it's time to put your phone down. Like, yeah, love it. 45 minutes on, you're not getting any more phone calls. The the, the color of the screen changes. Um, you can kind of go through all that. I've been using that for the last um, few months and it's been really helpful. I'm starting yeah. tonight. What mistakes have you made in this process? What mistakes can we learn from? Well, I think early on, we had no idea how much wine we were going to need. <laughs> we were told we were told a lot. We we went to people asking them like, "How much wine should we buy?" And it, you know, nobody really believed in what we were doing, so they gave us a really low ball, and so we kind of went in with, um, you know, kind of bottling a very minimal amount and found out as we started to get to market that, you know, we had, our plan actually was working. Like we had planned to get it into retailers and, and we ended up having to sort of like, Mm -hmm. you know, and in, in, in wine, the problem is, is that, you know, it's, there's a finite amount of it. It grows. So only so much grows on every vine every year and is produced in the regions that you're buying 
your grapes from that you're making your wine in. And, you know, because we came in late even to that purchase for that vintage, we had, um, you know, there half the, most of the wine was bought, our grapes were bought up. And so being able to like find, get, get more our providers to make us more wine at this, you know, late, you can't just all of a sudden have more grapes, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I got it. By the same token, it could have been the opposite and you could have ordered too much and then it would have been another different panic. Well, that's what we were afraid of, you know, but we had also done all that before we even understood, like we were just getting our footing in the three-tier system and what that meant, you know, and trying to find an importer and trying to find, you know, we hadn't even gotten our distributor yet. And once we got in with our distributor, um, you know, we had, uh, we started seeing really that we could be effective in the way that we wanted to. So Catherine, why, um, what mistakes did you make? Like things that you regret or that you did wrong or you would have done differently besides that? Yeah. I, you know, I don't think that anything has been, uh, a mistake yet. I think, you know, listen, there'll be lots of ups and downs like there are with any of the businesses, but, um, you know, Cameron and I are just big problem solvers. That's what we love to do. Mm -hmm. So anytime that, you know, we would kind of hit a roadblock or hear no from someone, we just, well, how do we, you know, who's going to tell us? Yes, let's figure it out. So (laughs) let's figure it out. I think, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, sometimes even if things don't go exactly as you planned, I truly believe it all happens for a reason. And there's another you know, something around that next turn and you'll, you'll learn why, but we, we're not so far into this yet that we, we can point at something other than, you know, just, um, you know, blowing through our goals so quickly, but, um, I'm sure those times will come as they always do. And what are you up against now? And was, I mean, people were drinking more during the pandemic, but did you, I mean, when you, when exactly did you launch? What date? We launched in July. Um, July. July of last year. So that was, I mean, that was a challenge. You know, we were in a pandemic. Luckily, you know, for better or worse, alcohol consumption was up across the country in 2020. And so, you know, it worked out for us. We were able to provide at least, um, you know, a cleaner option for everybody if they were going to be drinking more. But it's, um, you know, now it's just about keeping up the momentum. We're scaling incredibly fast. So, it's again, just, you know, solidifying the supply chain and, um, you know, making sure that everything meets our quality standards and, and getting it on shelves and, you know, improving velocity as we go. And, um, was it a time to sort of nest and nurture and realize how you can do things differently business-wise, meaning streamlining, you don't need as many employees, as much travel, as much expenses. I mean, were you able to streamline the business? Yeah, I mean, just at you know, for me, my my all of my businesses, I think it was such a year of um, of reset, and you know, I am I'm so grateful for some of the silver linings that came out of um, this experience. You know, like less travel. I mean, mm-hmm. we would fly to I'd fly to Minnesota for one you know one hour meeting mm-hmm. or. Um, to San Francisco constantly for, you know, an hour meeting. And now, um, you know, so many things can be done over Zoom. And listen, we would not have been able to meet with all of the retailers if if we had, you know, if this hadn't happened. Mm -hmm. We've been able to meet with every single one on Zoom. It's amazing. And we just could not have done that with, you know, our schedules as far as travel. So 
that was such a blessing. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's um, just things like that, you that's know, a great, being that's able a great to example. save money on, on, you know, office space and travel for these new companies. It's, it's been, it's been good. Yeah, that is finding a silver lining. So you said that you didn't go to college. I don't know if you did Cameron, but uh, do you have kids, Catherine? I do. I have a four-year-old boy. Okay. So where do you both stand on college? I mean, obviously there's no right answer, but do you feel that college isn't for everyone? And what do you think about, what do you both think about the benefit of getting into sort of the workforce and getting on the road if you know what you want to do versus taking those minimal, minimum four years for college? I'm actually curious to hear what you say, Cam. I personally believe that on the job training is the most valuable thing that you can do. I think that if you can immerse yourself into something, especially something that you love and, or you even just think that you love and you immerse yourself and find out that you don't and you move on um, before you get a four-year education in something and then realize that the work that you have to do with that education isn't where you want to exist. You know, I think that there's obviously, you know, there's certain, there are certain, um, you know, you can't be a lawyer without going to college. So if you, or a Mm -hmm. doctor, so those educations are important, but I think that there's so many um, you know, uh, avenues to, um, you know, a career that does not require, um, a, a college degree that are very gratifying and have the, the same possibilities, if not more of success. Um, you know, it, 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 I think also, you know, going into something like what Catherine and I did into an industry that we knew nothing about and learning about it as we sort of pushed ourselves through, you know, there's the value of that is like your instinct, you know, you get to really sort of use your instincts in a way rather than sort of thinking about just what you've learned in school, like mm-hmm. you get to like trust your gut mm-hmm. a little bit more and be a little bit more, um, you know, uh, I don't, uh, you know, like guttural from guttural, your gut yeah, instinct, exactly, you know, so. but that was in your former career. That was also probably very the way you, yeah literally, you know, navigated that entire career. So that's probably helped you being able to just like feel it and know when it feels right. And when it doesn't feel right, you know, I couldn't go through college. I mean, I'm terrible at school. I was terrible. I don't, I don't even remember. I don't even know how I graduated. I literally think they just gave me my diploma because (laughs) I showed up enough days at school. I have no, it's funny. I don't like school either. I wanted to be on the road. I wanted to be in the game. I wanted to put me in coach. It's so funny, but, and so don't waste the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with the internet and just all of the examples today of different types of entrepreneurs, you know, you can create your own body of work, right? You don't need the traditional kind of, uh, you know, education or work experience, really, you can kind of become your own, you know, content creator, become your Absolutely. own, you know, florist and sell it online so or whatever true. it is. It's so true. All that said, all that said, I probably will encourage, you know, my kids to go to college because I think it's like, if, if that's something that they're, if they're not as certain as I was, because I think it takes, it's a unique person that, you know, has that much drive to, or, or certainty around what they want to do. And that doesn't work out for everyone. So I certainly want to, I think, encourage it more than maybe I was encouraged, you know, when I was young, because I think you get a lot of great life experience out of it. You know, um, it's a transitional if, if, period too, in your life from being yeah. in the nest 
Yeah. I mean, it's not for, it's not for everybody and it's not for us to decide. I was just curious what your stance was and it depends upon the individual. I think that it totally depends on the person. Person, yeah. I think it's individual. And it's also, look, not everybody can afford to go to college. And a lot of people take on debt because they can't exactly. afford to. Yes. And they don't always do it because they really feel that they know what it is. They just, they're told that they're supposed to have a college degree. Exactly. You know? So, you know, yeah. I, I feel like it's just, I don't think that if it's, if what, if you're the person that you're talking about, Catherine, who's like really knows and wants to go for it and you know, is willing to take on that debt. But I think it's just culturally our country and our society has this idea that college is the, is the path to success. And I don't, I just don't think that that's necessarily true. So Cameron, what percentage do you think you're lucky and what percentage do you think you're smart? Hmm. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I really don't even know how to answer that question. I feel like I'm not dead. So I have to be smart enough to have not yeah. died doing everything that I've done in my life. So there's some, whatever kind of smart that is, I've got a lot of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's smart. That's smart. Um, but do you consider yourself lucky? Um, I definitely, I feel like, you know, I think that all of us are, you know, yes, I definitely think I'm lucky, but I, I also don't know how you quantify luck. You know what I mean? I, I can't, I, I think that it goes back to, you know, having, um, you know, I, I think one thing that I definitely feel like is that the doors that open, not everybody sees the doors that open and are know to walk through them, right? Or are willing to, to push themselves through them or to do the work to keep them open long enough to where they, you know, they can see the other side of them. Like, I know that one thing that I've had my entire life since I was like, I can remember is work ethic. And, you know, I worked my ass off for, you know, up until I stopped making movies and now I'm pretty lazy. Um, <laughs> <you know? laughs> but I used to do, I used to have a really high, you know, work drive and, um, and that I know pushed me through like, you know, my, my success in a lot of ways, you know, but certainly because of, you know, there's a lot of, there, there was a ton of luck involved for sure. And then I'll ask, uh, both of you, but Catherine first, your rose and thorn of your career, uh, not of your, Ooh. not of your family life, but your rose and thorn of your whole career. Man. Um, I think the, the rose is always, you know, getting to see something that you've envisioned in your mind and have worked so hard to bring to fruition, like in the hands of a consumer. For me, that's very, you know, very exciting um, just to see the the reaction or the impact that, you know, as, as uh, you know, it's, it's fashion and beauty, but like sometimes it can be so meaningful to help somebody, you know, afford a new outfit that they then go to a job interview and get that job or have acne and, and feel like, you know, we've changed their life because their skin has cleared up like that mm -hmm. just makes me so happy, nice. you know, not only because I've spent so much time kind of creating this and it's in their hands, but just the response that has gotten, I think is, is probably the, the rose for me. And my thorn, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if, uh, if, uh, I see anything as a true thorn. I think, you know, I've had some, 
really, you know, uncomfortable times. But again, I, I've been doing this long enough to understand that everything happens for a reason. And I always end up in like a better place after having gone through something. That's the Matthew McConaughey green light. He says his red lights were green lights. You don't know it at the time, but the things that are negative totally became green lights. So that's, that's, that's interesting. It's a change in course. Right. Yeah. And what about you, Cameron? Do you know your, um, Rose and Thorn? I think, you know, I, I really feel gr- so grateful that I got to do what I did for so long. You know, I loved making movies. I loved um, being able to, I loved the process of making movies. I loved every, you know, the opportunity to be on set and work with all the people that I worked with and to be able to tell stories and put them into the world and, and also affect people's lives, give them something to laugh about, something to think about. All the things that, you know, films have done sort of, you know, historically through our society of like really sort of being that campfire that people gather around. I really feel so fortunate to be able to be a part of that, you know, and so, you know, and it's made my life in so many ways, you know, so incredible, you know, so I just, I'm very grateful for it. I, I think that for me, you know, have sort of calling it when I did was the right thing for myself, even though I loved doing it, I sort of now next phase of life for me, um, which I'm really enjoying. That's nice. And Thorne? Um, I think I'm like Catherine. It's sort of like, you know, it's, I, it's hard to really um, say that anything in my life is, there's a thorn, you know what I mean? There's not, it, it's, I'm good. so blessed. I'm so lucky. There's so many aspects of my life that I just, there's nothing that I could say. You know, I always say if it's, if I complain, you know, punch me in the face. That's so nice. <laughs> and then, and then in, um, for both of you, what in your life is one thing that you could say that has just worked in, in relationships? Do you, either of you have any, um, pearls? Well, find a good therapist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like True that. that. <laughs> I, a check. Um, okay. You know, something that, that has really helped me as, as sort of like a guiding principle in not, uh, you know, I exercise it in my romantic relationship as well, but something I discovered with my, my first co-founder, um, my business, uh, who, what, where my partner, Hillary, you know, we would, the way we would kind of look at decision-making or when we would kind of come to a place where we weren't seeing eye to eye, it was kind of like whoever felt most strongly about their opinion, we went with it. And Uh and I like it would that. always, you know, there, there weren't a lot of, you know, there weren't a lot of big dramatic moments by any means, but it just, we got into this rhythm of that's kind of how we made decisions. And we would always support the other person if they felt more strongly. It's and amazing. I think it's just a good practice for any relationship. I love that. And also it, 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 but it's foundation is honesty because everybody can't be dramatic about like, no, this is the yeah. thing. You can't cry wolf every time. So that's really you a good one. I like your that you battles, can, you know? Yeah. I like that. Okay, great. And this is the last one, Cameron. Um, I, it's very similar to that. I mean, just we, that's one of the things that is like, is one to 10. What is it for you? If it's an, a six for me and it's an eight for you, or if it's a, you know, a nine for me and a 10 for you, then we, we sort of 
you know, give it to the person who feels the most strongly about it. Um, but I also think, I think like honesty obviously is very important, but vulnerability is super important. You know, just being able to say how you feel, regardless of how the other person is going to receive it, that you just are allow yourself to practice to, you know, being, um, acknowledging your own feelings. I love that. Being present with that. Well, you were both very present with me and I'm glad we got to talk about your business, but I get a sense of you as business women and as human beings. And, um, I am glad you trusted me with this time. I really appreciate the time and I'm excited about what you guys are doing. And I'm excited to have a glass of this right after this conversation. So thank you so much for this conversation. So great to meet you. Thank you, Bethany. Catherine and Cameron were interesting. I don't often do a two-person interview, but they're partners. And uh, I believe that Cameron doesn't do very many interviews. And I wanted to respect the new path that she's on. Uh, This show isn't about gossip or gotcha, as you know. And I wanted to have a real conversation about the brand, but also get a sense of who they are as people, as as two businesswomen, as two mothers, uh, and as two two women very focused on health and wellness. So I'm, I'm so grateful. And, you know, in me trying to be respectful of certain people's privacy and how to have a conversation, but still get you and myself what I want and need to hear and learn about their business, you know, it takes effort. And I loved the conversation. I loved the experience. And I'm really grateful to them for trusting me with the conversation. That's honestly one of the biggest parts of the takeaway. They were wonderful and really good, nice people. So that was a pleasure. And I'm honored and humbled. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you so much. And I'm loving it. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello! Clam comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. 
Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.